Jonathan Perez, I am so excited you're here. Yay. Let's go. Let's do this. <laughs> so you are a leadership and a high-performance coach. You're doing some training with Joe Dispenza. Currently, yes. Correct. And we are going to discuss what it looks like to feel comfortable in the unknown. Mm-hmm. This is a really fun, juicy topic for me because one of my like happy places is actually not knowing what's going to happen <laughs> next. I can relate to that now. Mm. At one point, I couldn't, but now I can. So Tell me. I'm excited. Yeah. Wow. And what was before that changed? Uh, well, before, as I'm sure many will relate, we're always trying to predict the future. What's going to happen? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? Or what if this happens? What if that happens? And as you can imagine, that is not being in the unknown. That is very much not being in the moment. So, and that's where, you know, you talked about Joe Dispenza. That's where I got into a lot of that work because that's pretty much what he teaches. How do you understand your human experience so you can feel comfortable in the unknown and be okay in that place. Mm. I think it comes down to trust. Trusting that yourself, trust that you will figure things out, trust that you have everything you need, and trusting that you I'll be guided is one thing that's a big one for me. Like I have yeah. I believe I have some two spirit angels that just I can ask for support, and they show me very clearly the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I literally just ask, am I supposed to go to Burning Man? If so, send me a ticket. <laughs> and I will wake up the next day twice. It happened to me this year. Twice, I asked if it was right for me, send me a ticket. The next morning, I got a text message both times Wow. with a friend saying, I have an extra ticket. No anyone. Yes, but you surrendered to the process. I surrender, right. I trust. Yeah. Yeah, which is a big piece. And the trusting means that you're not attached to the outcome. Very important. Yeah, it's a, you got to let it go. Right. That part is harder than it, you would think. Yeah. Because we, we like think we know what we want. So there's like an attachment, right? Yeah, so the... The piece I'll speak to there is because you mentioned trusting, and I think a lot of people think, well, what the hell does that even mean? What does it mean to trust, and how do I know if I'm trusting? And trusting yourself as well. So uh, I'll back up a little bit because I just want to share a little bit of the context as to how that has shown up for me. And as I imagine, it's been a similar journey for you. I think for everyone that gets comfortable in what we're calling the unknown has a similar path just in different ways and again just going back to to set the context for you know the the training with Joe Dispenza I I had gone through so much work if you will from the transformational space and then I ran into Joe's work and it just made sense for me and everyone has that experience I always tell people just find a teacher that resonates with you and just Mm. go there yeah because people are so uh, all over the place like I was at one point and I got that feedback actually they said hey dude you're all over the place just find a teacher that resonates and go there just go deep so in going deep into that work with with Joe Dispenza that really supported me in understanding how I, I function how I operate as a human being and our spiritual experience as well and what that really means and so much so that now what, it, what when we mentioned at the beginning that I'm training with him it's just really training to 
become one of his corporate trainers. So take that work into businesses and train leaders to be comfortable in the unknown, as we're saying. So uh, for me specifically, as that <clears throat> process of doing the work, as we call it, in this space that I knew what I wanted to do, but I was so worried about what might happen, right? Not comfortable in the unknown. I wanted to predict. I wanted to know the outcome. I wanted to know if I left my job or if I left my relationship, am I going to be okay? And if I can't predict that, I would stay longer than I needed to. And I was just doing myself harm, essentially. And in other ways, doing harm to others, too, because I wasn't letting go. I was attached. And that trusting process comes down to understanding. And this is one of something that I do want to talk to on here is understanding how to regulate your emotions, right? Because when you start to try and predict an outcome, usually what happens is if it feels very new, your body will start to signal to you, hey, that feels different. Let me send you these thoughts so I can convince you to stop. So I can convince you to stay in the in the known. And usually that looks like fear, anxiety, uh, many, many others. So that's exa exactly what I was experiencing just multiple years ago where I had this big dream to become a coach, to train people and, and build my own brand and do all that good stuff. And I would have the vision in my mind and then all of a sudden I had all these thoughts and emotions of, well, if you go do that, you might fail. What if you don't have a consistent income? What if it doesn't work? All the excuses, all the things that come up. For, for any human being, it's normal. And that came with understanding then the, the process of the human nervous system. Right? It's like, okay, well, it makes sense now that with the understanding that I have that it's actually a normal part of our human experience to have those thoughts because the body's job is to keep you alive. So if you have a big idea and a big vision and it feels very foreign to your previous experiences, you can imagine that the body's going to say, whoa, this feels new. This dude might, or dudette, whatever you resonate with. But for me, it was this dude is thinking about going and doing this. And if he does, it's unknown to us because we haven't experienced it yet. So then in that sense, those thoughts arise of let's try and convince them to, to stay in the known. And then as soon as we have that thought, we experience the emotion of it, right? So whether it's fear or anxiety in this case. And I stayed there in those emotions for probably longer than I needed to. So as, as I started to study this work, uh, then I started to understand, okay, this is just my nervous system wanting to keep me from pain, wanting to keep me... Uh, away from an experience that it thinks it's is bad, quote unquote. So learning to to then work with those emotions and understand that that was part of my human experience, then I started to really just thank my body and say, thank you, thank you for wanting to keep me safe, and I'm gonna go anyway. <laughs> yeah. And the fascinating thing is, once you do make the leap, that you train your nervous system to understand that it's actually safe. So then the baseline increases, and then over time, that's why you hear all these other folks speak to this in terms of making small steps, taking small leaps little by little, and that supports you in training the nervous system to show it that when you take a step into something unknown, and then you don't die, 
the nervous system then says, okay, we don't need to send you any more of those thoughts to try and convince you to stay in the known anymore. We actually are safe. Yeah. So go, you're free. But over time, that begins to culminate to, you know, frankly now, when I am going to make a leap into something new, I might still have those thoughts. But because I understand what's happening in my body and the purpose of those thoughts, I can trust in that technology and understand what's happening and then make the leap and then actually teach my nervous system that it is safe and trust in whatever's happening in the body, but trust in the decision that I'm making from a greater understanding or a greater level of mind, if you will. I love the way you're explaining this because I, I, I've, it, it's exactly, it, it's the same from what I always, I see it as like expanding your capacity, right? Like you're expanding what you're capable of in a way and, and like, oh you know, yeah, I can do that. I'm good. Mm-hmm. I can handle that. And that's what like adversity or um, challenging scenarios for people builds their resilience and builds their like uh, trust in themselves that they can, they can manage it. That's why I had a friend once that was in the military and he said, after the military, nothing feels hard. Because he's expanded <laughs> so yes. much into like difficulty yeah. that everything yeah. else becomes easy. Yep. Uh, and what you were saying earlier um, hits home with this theory that I have that we don't actually fear change. We fear things not working out if we change. Mm. Yeah, totally. And that's actually trying to predict, right? Because, mm. it, again, the body's function is to keep you alive. So whenever you want to go after something, it's going to try and predict everything to make sure that you are safe. Mm. I mean, everything, (laughs) because it goes to a certain extreme. And change is actually pretty simple. You just make different choices. Yeah. Right, it's a decision. You make a decision and you make different choices, but actually making a different choice the next day is the hardest part because your body and your conditioning is going to try and keep you in the known through, like we were saying, those thoughts of, oh, well, you know, if you do that, this might happen. And then you believe that thought and you stay there. And as we're talking about, change is is pretty simple. The hard part is actually overcoming those thoughts and those emotions that are holding you back. And when those thoughts arise, we believe them. We believe them or we go with a story. I mean, the simple one is if you want to, eat less or if you want to change your diet or whatever and let's just say a person has been eating half a chocolate cake every day and it tastes so good it's so good and then the next day you say i'm going to make a different choice today and then as soon as you decide not to make that same choice the mind says but you've been doing this for 10 years just one little bite Mm -hmm. it's okay i mean come on one little bite what's that going to do and then what happens usually we just say ah okay just one little bite And then that literally continues for however long it continues. And then so to change means to be greater than that thought. To be greater than that thought when it arises and say, you know what? I see the thought and I'm going to resist the urge and make a different choice. Ooh. How do you do that? In my mind, it's being so connected to my vision of what I want to create. So if it's like Mm -hmm. looking in the mirror and loving what I see and being healthy and feeling lean and strong and, you know, sexy right yeah though that that vision and that desire weighs stronger than the immediate urge for chocolate yeah and 
I rem when I submitted the when I was filling out the form to interview with you, I'm like, oh yeah, I want to talk about dreaming big, and yeah. that's a big part of this because if your desire and your dream is not big enough, you're not gonna have enough fuel to drive you to make a different choice. Mm. And that's really where people, you know, oh yeah, I kind of want this. I'm like, mm. that's not actually what you want because you don't, you don't, you don't look excited about it. So it has to be something that is big enough to actually trigger your nervous system and, and your nervous system says, whoa, that feels way out of your league. Now you're talking. Huh. So when you can dream big enough that you can feel your body saying, no, 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 don't do that because that sounds like a lot. But as soon as you feel that urge that feels like too much, quote unquote, then you know that you're actually taking a leap into something that is going to be very beautiful but not easy. So let's just take the example of, of public speaking, right? Mm -hmm. Some people have this big vision of being on a stage and delivering a big you know, keynote message to whoever or just public speaking. And it's a big dream of theirs, but as soon as they think about it, then they have the fear come up. And what are the thought, those thoughts going to be like? Well, if you go up there, you might say something stupid or this might happen, this might happen. But when you start to feel that, that thing well up in you and you really want to do that, then that signals to you that that's something that you're going to want to overcome. Because if you say, well, that sounds great and my nervous system feels pretty activated, so let me just instead just do like Zoom calls only. <laughs> rather than like a big live in person and then the body might feel a little bit more comfortable with that so we go that route and there's nothing wrong with that but what I'm saying is is how do you go and think about a vision that's way beyond and as you start to understand what your body's going to do anyway to know like okay I'm dreaming big enough because I can feel my body's telling me to not ever think of doing that again <laughs> And I love what you said earlier about like sending, okay, thank you, body. Send yes. a little gratitude. I hear you. Yeah. You're yeah, good. Yeah. You're safe. I'm cool. We're, we're, yeah. we're doing this. Yeah. That's, that's the big part. I always talk to my clients when they're, when they experience that because they all have such big visions, but they often will dim them down because they think they can't for yeah, whatever reason. Of course. And then whenever to your point, whenever they're, they're beginning to make different choices and the body starts to send those signals of, oh, if you go do that, this might happen, or if you go do this, this might happen, or they might say this about you. And in those moments, yes. Or, you know, that big moment of the public speaking and the, the image comes up of you peeing yourself on stage. I don't know. But it's just in that moment, whoa, body, mind, thank you for wanting to care for me. I appreciate you creating those scenarios in my mind because... You want to protect me from pain, and I acknowledge that, and I appreciate that. Thank you. And I'm going to make that decision anyway so I can teach you that we're actually safe, that we're actually okay. And then when we do it, the nervous system literally responds. It's like a relief, like, nice. And now you've created a new baseline, just like uh, that individual you mentioned who's been in like military training, if you will, right? where... We don't, we don't necessarily, I'm not saying everybody has to go through like hell week, but you can create your own version of that by dreaming big and then stepping into that. And then what I can assure you is that when you step into those things that feel very new 
and you can survive, which 99.9999999% you will, <laughs> yeah. then you're showing your nervous system that you're way more resilient and more capable than you can even dream. I love that. It's almost a human design flaw, in my opinion. I feel like we <coughs> learn all these things as a kid. We get all these like automatic programming from our parents. And then we have this whole belief system of somehow like connected to not being good enough. <laughs> like right, we've created this like vortex of self doubt. And then I feel like you spend the rest of your life trying to if you if you're one that likes to do the work and and you spend the rest of your life like basically trying to reprogram the system. <laughs> yeah, I mean we can have a whole other podcast episode about that and. That's Isn't exactly that, what we're doing now. Yeah. Isn't that weird, though? Like, wh what a waste of time. <laughs> it takes time. And, and the way to think about that, like, under my spiritual beliefs and, and my greatest understanding at this point is, you know, when we have died in past times, when we enter the birth canal again, we don't have our memory, right? So we enter back into social consciousness and societal beliefs. And then again, you have to overcome all the shit to remember who you are again. And that's the path we're all on. Mm. Right? So when you are born, you now have to receive all the social programming <laughs> and then you have to overcome it. I have a, an, another theory. I apparently have a lot of theories. But um, <laughs> uh, that we come in and we experience hardship. <clears throat> like, for example, I, I ended up with diabetes, for example. Right? Mm. And... Um, the challenge of diabetes on a day-to-day -day basis allows me to understand and speak the language to other people going through it. 100%. So it's almost like we have to have the experience in order to then support others and pull others out of the darkness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that to me is the silver lining of like all the challenge. Yeah, which comes after <laughs> people wanted before. But yeah, to your points, that's the your gift is in the area of the thing that's going to be the most difficult in your life. So for you, overcoming that, gaining the information, facing it, the gift was on the other side of that for you to be able to give and share your wisdom and experience. But it's through experience that you gained that. And yeah. that's the thing that I see is, you know, in my experience too, was lacking. I had all this intellectual knowledge about what it means to face your fears and, you know, you have these things that you're going to overcome, blah, blah, blah. Well, you can talk to me and read a book about swimming, but until you get in the damn pool, right. you're not going to know, right? So a lot of people, to your point, you might have the experience of having diabetes, but if you don't go and learn how to overcome it, it doesn't really become a gift. It just becomes something that you're suffering with. Right. But you overcame it, and now you have the gift and the wisdom through experience to help others with it. Yeah. I still currently have it, but it's much more uh, in control and the emotional experience. Um, most people think diabetes is about nutrition, mm. which it very much is, but the, the challenge actually is uh, in the loss of free will because suddenly you're told you're not allowed the things that you love. Mm. Oof. What happens when you tell someone you can't have something? They want it more. And and that's daily, every single day. It's like, don't eat the cookie, don't eat the cookie, <laughs> don't eat the cookie. And you're like, I want the cookie. <laughs> you start, I mean, it's like a screaming match in your head if you yep. don't control it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. Um, and I'm sure that relates to many other, you know, uh, 
the desires for things that are not allowed, quote unquote. Quote unquote, yeah. But you have a good point because in that, you're learning to master your mind. You're learning to be greater than those thoughts. Right. And those are serving you in so many different ways that I think for me, you know, when I use the word overcome, it's like it's not, you're not a victim to it anymore. Right, thank you. You're not being a victim to it. Correct. And you're not allowing that circumstance to dictate how you think or feel. Yeah. You're, you're, you're being greater than that thing. And that's not easy. No. It's not easy. That's when it's a whole shift in consciousness, a whole shift in awareness, because essentially you can let the diabetes control you or you can work with it and dance with it and, and, and do your thing with it. So yeah, you're smiling. So like, you're like, yeah, I've learned to dance with this. <laughs> it's such a funny... So I, I always felt like... Um, like I'm not going to allow diabetes to control me, mm-hmm. which meant I'm going to eat what I want, mm-hmm. which meant I was then a victim to diabetes. And like it was this like vicious yes. cycle of like, who's in control? I'm in control so I can eat that. And then <laughs> and it's like, nope, no, you're not. <laughs> and we're like, uh, yeah, it was, it's been an interesting ride and uh, definitely a challenge. Yeah. 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 And, and that's where, you mentioned trusting earlier and, you know, trusting that there's a gift in that, trusting that there's a, an opportunity in what you're experiencing that's available for you and whatever challenge, like for you, it looked like diabetes, right? For others, it looks like anything else. And from a greater understanding, I think that whatever we're facing in our life, whether it's a, a physical limitation or circumstance that we chose that, we chose this body we chose the we chose the genetic patterns we chose the limitations that we were going to go into because it's exactly what we need to learn it's exactly what we need to face to give us the greater understanding that we're here to experience that we're here to learn as a soul as a spirit mm. yeah it, it's actually a way to take your power back because it's so easy to be the victim Mm-hmm. Oh, I had a shitty childhood, or I, you know, whatever the the list of yes uh, things that happened to us, right? Um, but when you say, okay, no, hi, somehow this is I chose this, and I'm this is all in service. Yes, yes. When you see everything as being in service to your soul's evolution, that's when life actually gets much easier because you step into flow. You're like, all right, bring it, let's go. How can I grow? <laughs> You know, and it, not that you yes. want to ask for shit, but like, yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, it, yeah. it all, it, ha- it all has a blessing attached yeah. and it's just, yeah. Um, can you speak to the, what your favorite <clears throat> keys to self mastery? I mean, we're kind of covering it, but uh, anything specific mm-hmm. so that you can handle any circumstance? Yeah. And this has to do with being comfortable in the unknown because, I think in the end, everybody wants to be present in the present moment, feeling alive and feeling well, feeling excited, feeling passionate, feeling just having an extraordinary quality of life. And that's what I've been on the quest to find. What the heck does that mean and how do I do it? So in the greatest understanding that I've uh, derived at this point, it has been to figure out how we work. I mean, we're human beings. <clears throat> and I believe we're a soul and a spirit embodying this human vessel. 
So it's probably a good idea to learn how it works. Yeah. <laughs> like, how does this thing work? How does my body work? What are emotions? What are thoughts? Right? What are the functions? What are the things that this, this vehicle needs? Yeah. How to nourish it. Yeah. How do I, how, what does it need? How do I nourish it? Exactly. And I think that that's the, one of the biggest things to, to self-mastery is just learning how the vehicle that you're operating works. Great point. And yes. when you can do that, then all of a sudden, like I've gotten to the point where you're not afraid of the thoughts, you're not afraid of the emotions, you welcome it all. You welcome it all because you understand what's happening. And if this relates back to what we were talking about, so for example, when you feel a certain emotion like fear or anxiety, usually it's because you're stepping into something that feels unknown, so the body's mechanism is going to try and keep you alive. So one big thing about self-mastery is learning how to self-regulate. And this is a common topic around personal transformation work, uh, personal development, self-help. But I think that they overcomplicate it, in my opinion. <laughs> okay, that's the simple version. <laughs> so I think the, the most simple version for me is to learn that the brain and the body has been very much the same since society. I mean, since we were out living in like the jungles and the deserts without this societal, con you know, whatever we've constructed now where we live on computers and in apartment complexes. And it, it it's pretty rare that you're going to run into like a lion or something no. on the street, right? We have to like schedule <clears throat> time in nature. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm like, yeah, I'm doing that right now. Yeah. So exactly. And, and, so the body and the brain were were mapped in a way that helps us be protected from any type of threat. So if you're out in the wild, let's just say where we go back, I don't know, 20,000, 20, 30,000 years ago, let's just say, for example, that you're probably in a hut with your family or something and, and you're out and, and there's a great possibility that some threat might arise in your environment very easily. Yeah. Whether that's an animal, animal or some type of uh, other tribe that might threaten the survival of your family or something. So that being said, then, these bodies are very intelligent from the perspective that they're always scanning the horizon for potential threats. And again, that's a beautiful thing. So can we be thankful for that instead mm -hmm. of fight it? I think that's one of the big things we do is, oh, I don't, I don't like when my body does that. Well, Actually, it's a good thing that it does that. That means that your body's working right. Hmm. So when we can understand, like, okay, so I have this survival mechanism, and it used to be the case that it would scan for lions, snakes, tigers, whatever, and when it saw a potential threat, it would create a survival response that would then get me ready to run, to fight, or to freeze from this thing or hide from it. Right. Now... From that perspective, it's like, okay, but what's happening is we can't actually stop that stress response. So, so when it gets turned on, think about any other animal. I don't know. I'm just going to use the example of a deer in the headlights, right? The deer's in the middle of the road, and then the deer's about to get hit, and it doesn't. So then it goes back to grazing, and it kind of shakes it off. Within like 10, 15 minutes, that deer's back to normal. It just kind of shakes it off. Why? Because it's not ruminating about the fact, like, who was that person? Why did they try to kill me? What's happening? What if it happens again? 
And that is the part that I think we've still yet are working to master is the process of the, the creating the stress response by thought alone. And this is the biggest part of, of again, when it comes to self-regulating is, okay, I understand the stress response, got it. I understand I have a survival mechanism that wants to protect me from dying, got it. Now, what I want people to understand is that you can create the stress response by thought alone. So as soon as you think about a problem or as soon as you think about that person you talked to yesterday and you said something that maybe you think you shouldn't have, you're literally, your brain doesn't know the difference when, or your body doesn't know the difference when your brain is thinking the thought of that real life experience or when you're just thinking about it in your mind. So when we have the survival response now, whether it's the email or the, the Zoom call you're on, I don't know, whatever it is, that as soon as the Zoom call is over, now what are we thinking about? Oh, what did I just say? How did it go? What are they thinking about? Right? What are they saying about me? And all of that is being perceived as threats to your body. So it's turning on the survival mechanism and where we don't even recognize that that's happening. So then we start to feel the feeling of wanting to run, fight, or hide from something just by thought alone. Mm. So it's a beautiful thing that we as human beings can think. But I think we're just starting to learn that, oh, when I keep thinking about my problems, I'm literally creating the stress response that's meant to be helpful. And now it's being unhelpful because I can't turn it off. And when we can't turn it off, what happens? Well, now your body's in survival mode. It's in, it's in survival mode ongoing. And if you think about that year over year over year over year, now you're headed for disease. Mm-hmm. Causes inflammation. 100%. Cortisol spikes and then inflammation. Exactly. And the craziest part when I learned this is that those chemicals of survival, the stress response, especially adrenaline, are very addictive. So what does that mean? It's when you think about your problems and you feel the adrenaline, over time, people unconsciously, they start to think about their problems just so they can feel the adrenaline, just so they can feel alive. Oh, that's juicy. And... Again. That's like drama queens, like, <laughs> right? Like they just want to create something. Pretty to much, be you have to about. because then the body says, "Well, I want to feel that emotion, so let me think about something that's going to create the adrenaline in the body." Yeah. So when you meet someone that usually is sharing a story that's based in the past, and they keep talking about it, they keep talking about it. It's unconscious because their body just wants to recreate that emotion because that's the only way that they feel alive. It's through the adrenaline rush. Wow. It's the adrenaline rush. Okay. I always thought they'd do that because they're like, they haven't resolved it yet. So that's like by reliving it, there, there's an opportunity maybe to see it differently or to sh- when you share, when I share like anything that's kind of challenging that I've gone through, it's my goal is to get a perspective that I don't see. Right. That's why mm. I share it with my friends. I'm like, well, it's like must mastermind this and figure <laughs> out what, how, what am I, wh- where am I off? Right. But no, yeah. there are some people that just want to vent to vent and interesting. Yeah. It just depends on the context because I yeah. think we know the difference. Yeah. Well, only we know when we're sharing where that sharing is coming from. Yeah. If it's coming from a place of empowerment and wanting to resolve something. Yes. But what I'm referring to usually looks like, no, like you're not going to believe what happened to me. I mean, Six days ago, this person said this, and then they'll add details to make it juicy. Like, I mean, no, they they did this and they did that. And now, because they're talking about it in that way, they're literally recreating that experience in their body. Yeah. 
they're recreating it and and they feel the emotions of it and now they're like oh yeah, let me talk about it some more because this feels good. If I, but when they say it feels good, they're not saying it. It feels good, quote unquote, because they feel alive through the adrenaline. And if they're not feeling the adrenaline, they don't feel alive. Wow. So this was an experience for me because I had to realize that I was addicted to my own problems. Meaning I would wake up in the morning and all of a sudden I would start to think about everything that I needed to do, all the things I had to take care of, all the people I had to see. And then I started to get in this quote-unquote what people think high-performance mode, but it's just always on. It's just an addiction to that adrenaline. And tying it all the way back to how we work, it's, it's knowing that, okay, if I literally keep recreating this stress response that's supposed to be helpful for me, I'm going to get addicted to that emotion. And as Dr. Joe Dispenza says, because this is what stuck with me, is what that really means is if those chemicals are addictive is that you can actually become addicted to your own thoughts. Interesting. Right? Because that thought that you're having about that problem is then creating the emotion equal to what you're thinking. And then when you begin to feel the adrenaline, your, body, your brain is scanning your body and then it's saying, oh, you're feeling pretty frustrated. You're feeling pretty, pretty angry. Let's create more thoughts equal to how you're feeling. And then you get into a loop. Fascinating. That's a really interesting way to explain it. So I've studied the brain. Uh, I've trained in a, a neurofeedback. And the parietal lobe, which is basically on the top of your head towards the back, mm-hmm. is the part of the brain. Like, you know when you're <coughs> driving your car and you're kind of on auto, autopilot? Well, if someone all of a sudden cuts you off, your parietal lobe will go, hey, hey, look out. And it will catch your attention. And it's kind of that like squirrel effect. Like squirrel, (laughs) you know, like you just see something moving and it catches you. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're in this looping situation like you're describing, that's the parietal lobe is like hyper, it's it's hyper aroused, Mm -hmm. they say Mm -hmm. in neurofeedback. And so it will cause you to loop and ruminate. And And interesting to hear that like the cause of that looping is, is a form of addiction. Right. Fascinating. Yeah, because as soon as you have the thought, you feel the emotion equal to that thought. If if you're not conscious of it. Yeah. So for example, if you have a thought and you catch it, it's like, oh, well, I don't want to. I don't want to think that I'm going to shift. But if you if you have a thought of some type of situation and then you allow yourself to go into the story and you start to ruminate, then you're going to begin to feel the emotion equal to that thought that you're having. So if it's a story from two years ago about something that happened to you and you start to recreate the whole experience in your mind, well, duh, you're going to begin to feel the emotion of it. That's the power of of being human. So tying it all the way back to self-mastery, it's, wow, I have this brain that formulates thought and I can create images and holograms in my mind and I can use that to my power because we're very creative. So I can either use that to create something beautiful and innovative or I can not master it and use it to recreate all the problems that have happened in my life. <laughs> so I'm sure we've all been there where we start to think about something that happened however long ago and time goes on and we're like, whoa, I was literally just in a, like in a dream in a movie for five minutes and now I'm feeling like if I was there. Yeah. That's exactly what's happening. Yeah. It's the brain, the body's going to scan what it is that you're feeling or, or thinking about and then have you feel equal to what it, what you're feeling. So 
this whole work about manifestation has always been about, yeah, you know, feel like, feel like it's happening now. So that's actually what this is. It's about, well, if you're going to master yourself, what this means is, can you learn to think of something that you desire and actually because you have the power to feel the emotion based on whatever it is you're thinking about in your mind, that that is the power of manifestation, that you can actually begin to feel the emotion just by thought alone. Yeah. But you have to actually feel it. If you're not feeling it, that's why people say, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy. But if you don't feel happy, then no, you don't. <laughs> so that's the trickiest part because if you've been ruminating and you've been stuck in these loops of feeling anxiety, depressed, and you've been addicted to those you know, survival emotions, that when people try and say, I'm happy, it's not that easy because you have to overcome all of those emotional addictions, essentially. Yeah. I'm curious of your other, um, how to turn it off, essentially. And, and one way I, I work with my clients is um, it's really just a matter of shifting them from thinking about what they don't want in their life, all the things that could go wrong or, or the current scenario that they're not happy with, to what do you want to create in your life and who do you need to be to get there? Mm-hmm. And if it that's the, the work is like every time you have that negative thought, you shift to what you want to create in your vision and the positive highest version of yourself that is in you mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. needs to be expressed. And, and the, through focusing on it, it then becomes an expression. Right. Um, right. Is there, are there any other, um, like how, how do you turn, turn, turn the ruminating off? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> first and foremost, it's just understanding that they're just thoughts. Yeah. First and foremost. And, that's, that would be the, the next bit or piece that I would add to self-mastery is understand that you are not your thoughts and thoughts are just thoughts. So if you can then be very objective from the perspective of allowing all thought to come into your experience and not judge one thought as good or bad or, or right or wrong, that from that perspective then when you start to have the old thoughts of the things that are keeping you stuck, let's say, you know, somebody's in one place and they're wanting to achieve this big vision, that if they can start to see those thoughts of the past, like, okay, there are those, there are those thoughts again about those problems or whatever, that you no longer identify with those and you simply say, okay, I'm just not going to give them my attention, not my energy. So then the thought or the, the question is, what thought do I want to think then? If I can see that this thought is playing in my mind and it has to do with the past, I'm not going to give it my energy. I just notice it. Just notice. And then what I say is, okay, so what do I want to think? What do I want to choose to think consciously? And then the more you start to focus on that, on what you do want to think and who you do want to be, just like anything else, it becomes a habit. But you have to be consistently and 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 on on an ongoing basis making an effort to think in that new way yeah so just like whatever example we want to use like riding a bike when you first learned right when you think about this new future self you want to be the first time you think about it you're going to fall off you're going to fall off and scrape your knees and it's not going to be easy but over time as you start to think about that future 
and you start to overcome the the kind of scary parts of riding the bike just like that you start to get the hang of it and it just starts to feel familiar to you just like that like thinking about a new future is the same exact way it's going to feel unfamiliar at first it's going to feel funky and you're going to have to let go of old ways of being but as soon as it, you start to practice it over and over again then that new way of thinking starts to get literally hardwired in your brain and it becomes who you are but there's a process that has to go uh, through of letting go of who you used to be to then wire in that new future self, if you will, if we want to call it that. So to overcome then those thoughts, it's first of all, not identifying and, and with those old thoughts. And sometimes they can be scary. Sometimes they can be fucked up thoughts, truly. I've been there where very intrusive thoughts where I'm like, I, I must be crazy. And I started to really, that, that's actually where a lot of my journey started. It's I used to be very afraid of my thoughts, very afraid of my thoughts. And then I over, I, over time started to realize that, okay, well, thoughts are just thoughts. Interesting, I can give my attention to this one and when I focus on it, I go there. When I don't focus on it, I don't go there, whatever the story is. But over time I started to realize that I am the one that chooses which ones, which thoughts I give my attention to. Oh. Then I started to feel powerful because I'm like, oh, okay. So I can have any thought that comes into my mind and I don't need to identify with it. And most of the thoughts that we have, by the way, aren't even ours. Yeah, I want you to go there because, um, <laughs> because it's a fascinating concept because we think of our thoughts as being me. That's who I am. It's my thoughts. Mm. Whereas I think you're speaking, what you're speaking to is a higher consciousness that yeah. you know is playing witness to the thoughts. But where the hell are they coming from then? Like they're in my head. <laughs> yeah. <Right>? So <clears throat> I'll just give you my my greatest understanding of yeah, this go. at this moment. And when we think about frequency, we talk about right thinking about thinking about the world as energy, frequency, and vibration. And a thought is simply a frequency really. And wherever you are vibrating at, whatever frequency you're vibrating at, you are literally uh, like an antenna to receive thoughts equal to that frequency that you're vibrating at. So if you're feeling fearful, what kind of thoughts do you think you're going to receive through your radio signal? Thoughts equal to that frequency, right? But aren't the thoughts causing the feeling? Yeah, but that then that that's then because it begins to merge with your physiology, right? So okay. so when the thought comes in and then you identify with it, then it sends the chemicals into your body to feel the emotion of it. So point being, if I if I'm feeling that and the thought comes in, if I can catch it and then say, "Whoa, that is a thought that I don't want to identify with." Right. How can I then shift my state and choose a new thought? So then let's just say you notice that that thought of fear comes in. And then you say, okay, that's not how I want to feel. That's not what I want to think. Let me tune in and change my state and feel grateful. So now gratitude and love is, is, is vibrating at a higher frequency. So then when you start to feel grateful, what are the thoughts like that you start to have? More thoughts of gratitude and more thoughts of joy. Why? Because those are now the thoughts that are coming into your field, if you will. So the way that I think about this is that 
if you are, let's just say, I mean, we're in Austin, right? So we're in a big city. And if you think about what happens in a big city, there's all kinds of things going on. But at some level, there can be fear, there can be lack, there can be scarcity, and everything, everyone that's in that place is kind of jumbled up together. And they're creating like this bubble of consciousness and thought. So you're kind of being bombarded by all this thought, like a thought pocket of limitation. Thought pocket. So, <laughs> so and that's that's the reason why I've learned. <clears throat> this is a lot of learning that I've done through um, Ramtha, if anyone's familiar or, or is interested. That when we go out to nature, why do you think you feel so at peace and disconnected? Because you're not, being bombarded. you're not being bombarded by the limitation of the social consciousness. Wow. Because most people are literally yeah. thinking in fear and limitation and scarcity. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, oh, that's why I love going out to nature. <laughs> so it's it's no it's no question. Then so so the thoughts then are going to come into your field. So you can think about your brain like a radio receiver, pretty receiver, much. Yeah. But so that's why yeah. you yourself though have the power to change your state and raise your vibrational frequency. And when you raise your vibrational frequency, now you become a match for a higher frequency of thought. And now those thoughts are coming into your field, which is a whole new vibration. So that's why the more that you stay regulated in your nervous system, the more that you can really turn off the stress response and come back into homeostasis, the more grateful you can feel, well, the more that you're gonna be open to those thoughts. Right? So that's why you're going to feel grateful and more joyous more often when you're in that place and you're receiving that frequency of thought versus the social consciousness, limit, limited, you know, scarce and in and, and lack. But what I'll say is anyone who's living in a, in a condensed city and you're living in a state of joy and gratitude and you're overcoming yourself, then you're training yourself to really be Super powerful because you're overcoming even that deep pocket of condensed thought, if you will. Yeah, uh, you're hitting home on one of my favorite uh, new practices. I'm re I've been really committed now to starting every single one of my days with my intention for the day mm -hmm. and how I want to show up and what I'm super grateful for. It's an incredible practice to do every morning. I'm like I'm religious about it now. I brush my teeth. I have my big glass of water, <laughs> make my tea, and I sit down, and I make my celery juice. Uh, it's a process. <laughs> but um, I sit down, and I write. Yep. Um, like, And it's so incredibly powerful. My days are wildly different Yes. when I do that, when I really hone in on, on how I want to show up and my intention and my gratitude. It is fascinating how, just like you're saying, yeah, I become an antenna for love and a connection and everything I desire to happen mm -hmm. with ease. Yes. Yes, that's it. And you're doing that, by the way. I think it's a big message that I want to hit on is you are consciously doing that. Yeah. You're choosing to, to do that and you're choosing to shift your state. And if I was to say anything to anyone, like the most empowering thing, that I have learned is that I have the power to consciously change my state at any moment. Like if you're feeling anxious, stop feeling anxious. 
Well, I will say the last two days since I bought my Burning Man ticket, I have been feeling anxious as AF. Right. Like my stomach has been in knots. I'm so excited. Exactly. It's more so excitement, that, yeah. but like But I'm sure, you know, if with effort with consciousness, if you were like intentional, you can sit down and, yeah. and change and shift your state if you chose to. Well yeah. But it feels I, good right now. I You're took in some C B D and then I went for a really hard workout <laughs> and it finally calmed down. But I like It's a lot of energy. Yeah. Right? I had to like exert the energy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and that's where again it's it's a willful act to change. Like there's times when I mean I'll wake up and I'm just like <sighs> and those are the moments where I have to realize like, do you wanna feel like this? No. Right. So I'm gonna get my ass up and go change my state. Yeah. This is like if anyone's ever been to like a Tony Robbins event, this is yeah. exactly what he's teaching you. Yeah. That you can literally be sitting there ruminating, miserable, and in an instant, yeah, you can consciously decide to change your state, but that's going to include your body. Yeah. Oftentimes you're going to have to use your body intentionally, but point being that, yes, there's many things that we can do to shift our state and we always have the power to do it at any time. Yeah. Even your energy level, you can be exhausted, but if you all of a sudden your best friend texted and was like, dude, you got to come to this party. All these hot chicks were here. You'd be like, ding, <laughs> <laughs> out the door in a second. Right. Energy <laughs> and state shifted in an instant. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Cause it's always going to be equal to the thoughts that you're having. Yeah. I so love that. It's always going to be equal to that. Two more questions. What's your favorite thing that you've learned from Joe? It's kind of a tough one. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's probably, I'm sure we've been tapping on it all along, but, um, yeah. Um, what I'll share is mainly what I've learned through my experiences with his work. Okay. And I think it relates a lot to what we're saying about shifting our state because for me, yeah, like around my twenties, I was, I was, I've always been very fascinated by shifting and changing our state and how we can, feel different in one moment and then another and I used to I used to pursue that and do that by using MDMA so I would I would and I became I mean I've had some experiences where I said now I'm going to go search for the most clean stuff because if you're if you're using it make sure you have clean stuff that's all I got to say so point being that I would use MDMA and I was very fascinated I'm like wow when I use this thing I for some reason feel I, I don't know how to explain like enjoy my Unrelated. heart is open yeah and I became fascinated by that. And I'm like, why is it that I can feel that way? And then when I'm off it, I feel different. I was very intrigued by that. So then th that kind of always stuck with me. And I started learning more about this work and being able to, to shift our state on our own, right? And <clears throat> what I'm getting at is I had one massive experience uh, at one of the retreats, I said the week-long retreats, where... I had watched a testimonial, actually, and if anyone's listening, if you watch the testimonials on YouTube, actually, if you're suffering from anything, any disease, anything that you can think of, someone's overcome it, guaranteed. True. Guaranteed. I mean, I've seen, I've seen literally in x-rays or I don't know what the exact tests are where you, you literally see the cancer and then it's gone. It's just fascinating. So point being that I ran into one testimonial and the guy... If we're saying that we can create our state by thought alone, the guy was like, hmm, I wonder if I can create the experience of MDMA by thought alone. <laughs> Just the intention. So anyhow, I, I remember thinking about that. And 
I was out on a, on a med, one of the walking meditations. So we do some walking meditations outside where you're literally walking in the energy of that future. You're, you're in it. And I was out there. I already had a like a massive heart opening. I'm in tears. I'm just like, oh my God, this is amazing. And in that moment, I just start to tune in that it feels very familiar to what I used to experience with MDMA. And then in that moment, I had the thought, like, how far can I actually take this just by my intention? And then I remember the testimonial. And what the testimonials do, by the way, is they create possibility. That's why I think these podcasts are so important to hear from people that it's anything's possible. And you, when you hear from someone else, it becomes possible for you too. So I thought about that in that moment. <laughs> and I'm walking and, I, and, and the meditation's over and I put my headphones back on. I'm like, let me just tune into this thought and just see if I can feel it. And in a couple minutes, I'm having this experience in my body as if I had just taken a super high dose of like MD man. It was it felt even stronger, frankly. Wow. And I am just in it. And that was a moment where I literally told myself, I created that. Like I did that and I didn't need anything outside of me. I didn't need any external substance to do it for me. And I felt extremely empowered in that moment because I'm not what I'm not, I'm not saying that MDMA is bad, good, bad, right or wrong, but it was a moment of empowerment for me to realize, wow, all this time I've been reaching for things outside of me to change how I feel inside. But I've got it all backwards. That's been my biggest learning that I got it all backwards. As a matter of fact, if I change how I feel inside, then I can actually control the outside. Yeah. Huge. Yeah, 100%. I love that. Yay. Okay, last question, because we are way over time, but I couldn't stop <laughs> Let's you. Let's go. Um, if you, if, sorry, if little Jonathan were sitting next to you, what would you say to him? I would tell him that he's not broken. Hmm. I would tell him that there's nothing wrong with him. I would tell him that he's perfect just as he is and that everything that he's experiencing is setting him up for exactly who he needs to become. Yes. And that's it. Perfect. Yes. I love it. It's so true. Mm. It it goes back. There's my, one of my favorite mantras is um, everything everything is a blessing no everything is always working out for me so I when I work with my clients I work with a clicker and it's it's a tool that um, helps practice the new experience they want to create for people for themselves and that was one I had my first clients uh, use everything is always working out for me Mm. and he went from being freaked out about a really shitty business deal with his partner um, he was just in a really bad situation to having full faith and full trust that it's in perfect aligned yes. service and literally shifted his state within the first 30 clicks. And then within 24 hours, he had a solution. Yep. That, that's how fast it can be. Yeah. Truly. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, Wow, what a treat, Jonathan. Yeah, that was a journey. <laughs> Such a pleasure. You have, before we go, you have a bunch of products and services that uh, you please share because people yeah. can learn a lot. Yeah, yeah, you. yeah, for sure. So the main thing, if you're interested in going deeper, I offer one-on-one coaching, mentorship, 
and that's really customized and tailored to each person's journey. So if you know anything I shared resonated, you can check out my Instagram, my website. You can find more there. I have a, a self-paced course that I'm going to launch next month called Waking Up, which teaches essentially the fundamentals of what we've been talking about. What are the basics of self-awareness and emotional regulation? So you can just master those things and be able to be in any situation that feels unknown and feel grounded and confident in who you are and just master yourself emotionally. And I'm also going to start a, a membership, which I'm going to call the Unlimited Collective. And what that's really going to be about is me sharing more exclusive content and going deeper into all the teachers that I'm studying and just consolidating all that information and sharing it back to people. Love it. Yeah. Yay. Oh, what a treat. Thank you for sharing your Thank wisdom. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This was awesome. Super, yeah. super fun. I really liked all your perspectives. Yeah. Thank Appreciate you. Aw, thank you guys for tuning in. I love you all. Bye.